We here at the Fumbling Four Network take mental health very serious. If you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. If you don't like talking on the phone, you can text or start an online chat. Once again, the number is 1-800-273-8255. Welcome to the Resident Evil Lorecast, the podcast that will explore the various mediums and lore of the Resident Evil franchise, such as the video games, movies, novels, and more. And here are your hosts, Ariel, Daniel, and Aaron. Something that might interest you. <laughs> well, welcome back to the Resident Evil Lorecast. I'm your host, Aaron. And joining me, as always, is my fellow host, Ariel. Uh, you're glad to have you finally back after bailing on us for the first Welcome to Raccoon City Oh, <laughs> I didn't feel good. It's probably a reason. You hey. were... Um, Oh, right. Was he working? I don't know. I think I actually was working. We we can't blame him for working. I I can because well, I, I mean we, for everything. I mean we can't say that he was actually working. Oh, ho, ho, ho. anyway, Bye. Daniel is also here. Bye there. I'm not even gonna give him a co-host slash fellow host slot. Kim, <laughs> kind of already did. Just just dragging it out there. Mm. Well, at any rate, now we're doing discussion episode for Raccoon City. What's there to discuss? Woo. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> so, Daniel. Well, fans, if I mentioned last episode, here it is again. I'm going to do that first. Oh, boy. So, in other countries, uh, Welcome to Raccoon City had different names. So, in Bulgaria, it was Contagious Evil, the beginning. Okay, I kind of like that. Latvia was Endless Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. We could stick with the Endless Evil. That's mm. kind of yeah, weird. I picked the ones that sounded the best to me. Uh, Taiwan was Evil Castle Part 1, Raccoon City. Evil Castle? That's... It took place in the city. I know. I'm, this is Taiwan. I don't know why it was changed to that. And in Thailand, it was Biohazard, the beginning of Zombie City. <laughs> I like it. I said I found I found the best ones that I thought were. I like this. So I can't remember if that was in the previous episode. So if not, everyone got it again. But now I'm actually going to cover BOWs. We don't have too many in this, and most of them do reflect what we've seen in like the games and previous movies as far as their abilities. So the zombies are the first one. They are humans infected by a T virus that leaked into the water supply by umbrella purposely they can spread the infection via bite and some can utter a few words as they begin to turn the next one i have is of course the lone liquor that we saw not for sure if there was going to be more or not liquor is considered a very infected zombie as resilient to gunfire as well as having an agile tongue that it can use to grab victims as well as hit them with um, apparently it is not immune to its jaw being dislocated Oh boy. Hashtag facts. Yeah, I just wanted to make everybody <laughs> aware of, of its weakness. Um, the next one we have is The Crows, Aaron's favorite in every movie and game. Mm -hmm. Sure. <laughs> they are infected birds that are, of course, infected with the T virus. 
they are resilient to hits from glass windows and able to regenerate their bodies. But even though they are resilient to glass windows, they they are not immune to bullets. (laughs) Bullets are our only weakness. It's probably because they're smaller. A window's got so much surface area, it spreads the damage out. Oh my god. That's what I'm going with. But that is currently what I have as Birkin was a G-Virus entity. But his character will probably be more covered under the characters. At least his, like, human part, yeah. Yeah, his his weakness was eyes, everybody. Ay, ay, ay. That's probably what I was thinking the entire time <laughs> before Leon showed up with a RPG he found and knew how to use, unlike a shotgun. He, don't even get me started. Sick, sick burn. <laughs> on Leon. All right. right. I'm okay with this burn on Leon. But I will let Ariel go now. Sweet. Let me dive into these characters here real quick. So I'm going to start with Claire. Who is apparently five foot six inches tall. Same as me. I wish I could say the same. I am not. I'm shorter. So, Claire is, you know, clearly the sister of Chris. And following her parents' death during childhood, her and her brother Chris grew up at the Raccoon City Orphanage, which at the time was being operated by our wonderful Umbrella Corporation. Claire became suspicious of the staff and suspected that they were covering up illegal activities. Which indeed they were. So, when she grew older, she ran away from the orphanage and left Raccoon City behind. And during the events of the movie... She had come back to warn Chris, and then the rest is history. So that is kind of the little stuff about Claire. So I'm going to go into Chris now, who's five foot eleven inches. Ooh-hoo-hoo. So same thing with Claire, that they grew up in the orphanage after their parents passed away when they were kids, and he, however, stayed. Instead of, you know, he didn't know, but instead of going with Claire running away, he stayed and he became a police officer attached to the STARS team when he grew up. And he had actually really looked up to Birkin, unfortunately. Kind of saw him as a bit of a father figure. Dumb. So... That was Chris. Next is Albert Wesker. Who's, wow. Six foot five inches. I didn't realize he was that tall. Damn. So our boy Wesker was also a part of the Stars team and was the leader. He grew up in Raccoon City and became really good friends with Jill, Valentine, Richard Aiken, Chris Redfield, and Brad Vickers. And by 1998, he had grown tired of his small-town dead-end life, was contacted by a mysterious woman who tasked him with infiltrating the facilities of the Umbrella Corporation and stealing whatever secrets 
remained of their research in exchange for a whole bunch of money. So that's kind of like the little background of Wesker in this movie. Next is Leon S. Kennedy. Leon S. Kennedy. So disappointed there. <laughs> He's five foot ten inches. It's probably his hair. <laughs> probably. So he was a police officer on his first day at the Raccoon City Police Department. He followed his father, who was a well-respected officer, into the law enforcement career. And after an incident in training where his gun accidentally discharged and injured his partner in his ass, Leon was... About to be kicked from the police academy, but his father used his influence to intervene. And instead of his expulsion, he would be transferred to Raccoon City, a dying company town situated in the Arclay Mountains. Oh boy. So I'm going into jail. He's five foot eight inches tall. She is also a member of the Stars Division. She as well became close friends with all the other teammates and became close enough with Chris to become familiar with his younger sister, Claire. So she had become close enough with Chris that he had talked about Claire to her. And that is about what I have on the background. I'm not really going into the events of the movie because I already did that with the plot. So that's why I'm kind of just going over background information. So... Next, I have Brian Irons, and I apologize. He has no height, so he doesn't get a height. <laughs> he is not tall at all. <laughs> so he was the chief of police at the Raccoon Police Department, and he was also taking bribes from the Umbrella Corporation to keep the RPD out of their legal operations. And though they never mentioned how much information he had on the company's secrets, they did say that he was aware of Umbrella's use of the local orphanage as means of viral weapons research. And that's how he knew that he could get to the Spencer, or they could all get to the Spencer Mansion from the orphanage. And it was during his leadership that Umbrella began moving their offices to Tall Oaks, forcing Irons to institute a series of sweeping cuts to the force. So that is what I have on our... Good guy, Brian Irons. Good guy, finger quotes. Yeah, there is heavy sarcasm implied in that. <laughs> so next I'm going into William Birkin, who is six foot tall. Oh, wow. Ah, he was an umbrella, umbrella corporation scientist who lived in Raccoon City and was responsible for overseeing the experiments on children from the subject harvesting facility, which included... included Lisa Trevor and Alexia and Alfred Ashford. And he also created the G-Virus. All right, next I'm going to go into Sherry Birkin. And I'm assuming because she is a child, they didn't give a height. Uh, Sherry is the daughter of William and Annette Birkin. Not much about her beforehand, just that she had been suffering from a lot of nightmares about monsters. Hmm. Wonder why. Hmm. 
So next I'm going to go into Ben Bertolucci. Say that five times fast. That five times fast. Oh my gosh. So he was a journalist and conspiracy theorist who became involved in the Raccoon City destruction incident. He was an independent journalist and activist who became suspicious of a vast conspiracy involving the international conglomerate known as Umbrella, who had been secretly developing biological weapons under the guise of being a pharmaceutical company. At some point in the late 90s, he met Claire through an online chat room. Claire had her own suspicions and conspiracy about the ethics of Umbrella due to her experiences growing up in the orphanage. And later, in September of 98, Ben stumbled upon proof of Umbrella's misdeeds and transgressions, as well as the recent leak of the T-virus and the existence of the G-virus. Fearing for both his life and the lives of the civilians in Raccoon City, he sent out a videotape confiding in Claire, asking her to blow the whistle on Umbrella's bioweapons program for the public before either Umbrella or the virus could do any more damage. After receiving the tape, Claire was unable to contact Ben for over two weeks. And, yeah, he kind of disappeared and was found later in jail. So. <laughs> he disappeared. Yeah, honestly, I'm really surprised about that. I'm surprised he was in jail and didn't disappear, disappear. Mm -hmm. To be honest. So next I'm going into Lisa Trevor. She was a woman who was held captive by Umbrella as a test subject in the illegal bioweapons trial. She was killed during the movie. And during her childhood, Trevor was placed at the orphanage following the deaths of her parents at the order of Oswald Spencer. On November 17, 1967, Trevor became one of the earliest subjects to illegal bioweapons experimentation conducted by Umbrella and initially injected with the progenitor virus. She was one of the one of only a handful of subjects to survive and adapt to the virus. Further experimentations led to her developing near superhuman levels of strength and durability at the expense of extremely reduced mental and cognitive abilities. When Birkin took over as the lead researcher he was willing to risk their prize subject at the cost of further innovation so he injected her with the nea type parasite which resulted in the creation of a rudimentary version of the g virus which birkin would spend the remainder of his life working on trevor managed to escape her laboratory confinement in the mid to late 80s and wandered to the orphanage facility located above, where she encountered a young Claire. The encounter with Lisa, along with the subsequent actions of her caretakers, traumatized Claire and led to her running away. By 95, Trevor had become increasingly hostile and unproductive as a test subject. She was recommended for extermination and disposal by the Umbrella Security Service in 97, but the team failed and she escaped confinement, escaping into the now abandoned orphanage. She was deemed too dangerous and further attempts to retrieve or neutralize her were abandoned. And that is what I have on Lisa Trevor, though I do think it was still cool that she remembered Claire and helped her. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I like that nice little tie-in. 
Absolutely. So I'm going to go into Richard Aiken. He was a police officer in the Stars Alpha team. And that is really all about all we get <laughs> on our boy Richard Aiken. Wah, 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 wah. Now let's go into Ada Wong. She's a secretive spy working for a mysterious agency who's looking to seize Umbrella's bioweapons research. She was the one that hired Wesker to infiltrate Umbrella's abandoned nest facilities and obtain any information or assets in exchange for money. She was also the one that, quote unquote, brought Wesker back to life. In the end credit scene, she literally just showed up in the end credit scenes. That's literally. She was the one that was sending Wesker the messages, but she only popped up in the end. So next I'm going into Kevin Dooley. He worked as an officer for the Stars Bravo team. Him and his partner, Marini, were dispatched to the Arclay Mountains to investigate reports of a body near the Spencer Mansion. The two of them on their way had stopped into Emmy's Diner for coffee, and shortly afterwards, his vehicle was attacked and severely damaged. And they had seeked refuge into the mansion, and the rest is history. Are they dead? Yep. So, Brad Vickers is who I have next. They just kind of gave up on giving these people heights. <laughs> so, he was a police officer for the Stars Alpha team, and he was the pilot. Who just wanted to play Snake. I know. Yeah, he's the one that flew the helicopters, flew all the teams to where they needed to go, essentially. So, yeah. Poor Vickers. Brad always gets a short stick. Doesn't matter what story it is. When's Brad going to get the chance to be the hero? Um, never, because he's dead. <laughs> so, uh... Damn! Next is Enrico Marini, which is kind of the same as Dooley. Marini had a promising career in the RPD and was assigned to the STARS Special Force Unit, which is established to handle extreme situations most officers were not trained to handle. The force outlived its usefulness in 98 when rapid population decline in the city led to a need for severe budget cuts, and Marini and the others were instead tasked with more routine police duties. So the rest is mostly about what I covered with Dooley... They had to go check out a body discovered in a mansion. They went to... So it's about the same thing. So The rest of the characters, <clears throat> I'm not going to cover. Because it's like the trucker. Luis. The sickly mom and the sickly boy. Those are like the rest of the characters. So I covered most of the main characters. So that's all I've got. Well. Do you want an interesting fact before the mid-break? Sure. So did you know Capcom actually gave the filmmakers their blueprints to recreate the main halls of Spencer Mansion RPD police station? That's fucking cool. And one more here in the mid credits sequence when Wesker sits up in the brown body bag 
This is actually a reference to the original remake loading screen. Huh. <laughs> so there you go. There's some things to think about while we go to the mid-break. Well, here we are, Ariel, in the middle of the episode. Yep. What do we do here? It's awful middle in here. That's right. <laughs> we also... We thank our patrons. That's right. So, we have to thank our patrons, such as our VIP patrons, Oracle, Cerberus91, Chris Slate, Christian, Dadog47, Glenn Meeks, Jay Zoobs, Jeremy Kelly, Lord Salazar, Mystery Bemo, Naked Mango, Star Power Bitches, The Compound, The Pumpkin King, The Seven Sins, and William Jackson. We also have to thank our wonderful all-access patrons, Edward Parks, Remington Cloutier, Steve Hilder, and, of course, our official patrons, Quattro Hawkes, Paul Murphy, Ryan Black, and some random guy. So thank you, patrons. Yes, thank you, patrons. We do greatly appreciate it. And we appreciate you listeners. Because without you listening in, we wouldn't have a show where we get to talk about Resident Evil. Speaking of show, where we have to talk about Resident Evil. Yeah. Daniel, what'd you bring? What? I that didn't even know. That made no sense. Yeah, that didn't make any sense. Doesn't have to. <laughs> well, if uh, multiple things here. If you are a baby or you <laughs> think you are one, <laughs> then you, you might be entered. Or I guess another thing, if you also like Resident Evil. So if you're a baby and like Resident Evil. Or her. If you're a Resident Evil fan expecting a baby. Nope. Nope. That is not or one Or maybe of you them. just like Resident Evil. <laughs> I said what I said. <laughs> then you might like this Resident Evil 4 fan art cover. Com- Resident Evil 4 fan art comic cover baby blankets. Oh my God. Or if you want to be like Linus. Then you might like these baby blankets. They come in various colors and they have... What looks like a comic style for Resident Evil 4 on it. Mm-hmm. They run $24.95 a piece, normally $30.95, so it's on sale for a little bit longer. You have three different sizes you can get, a 30-inch by 40-inch, which is the $24.95, or up to a 60 by 80, so if you're a big baby, uh, <laughs> which runs $39.95. Don't you judge me, Aaron. This I'm, is this is my ad. Oh boy. Looks like the different shipping is anywhere between $7.99 to $16.99 for the most part. And it is designed and sold by Rosemont. So if you go to printervol.com and look up Resident Evil 4 fan art comic cover baby blankets. You can definitely get one of these on your own. So if you are a baby, make sure you have somebody else's credit card. Wow. That wow. is what I have for now. Oh my god. Honestly, I want it. And before you may go, you're a big ass baby reference. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I want that like 60 by 81. I want it as a throw blanket. I feel like you don't have to be a big ass baby to get this. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless, I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna get it. And I have forty bucks. 
Oh my gosh. Well, with the uh, baby merchandise out of the way, <laughs> Arrow, what do you got? So I've read an article, much like I always do. And this comes from Insider Gaming, and the title is Resident Evil 2 Remake Gets a New Update Four Years After Release. So, Capcom released the update, and it's not one of those simple improve the performance and stability of the game updates that some developers push years after release. Instead, this update fixes a couple of bugs and added a new language to the game. So the Resident Evil 2 Remake update notes are, they added Latin American Spanish as a display language, fixed achievements that weren't displayed correctly in some languages, and fixed some bugs and issues. Hmm. So it's essentially a repair patch. Yeah, essentially, and some... Uh, language adding and stuff like that so in addition to still supporting Resident Evil 2 Remake Capcom is working on the next major content update for the RE4 Remake that update which brings the separate ways campaign into the game oh yes is expected to come later this year no specific date has been announced however nor if it will be a free or paid update so yeah. So that's what I have on that article. RE2 Remake gets update. I love it. <laughs> well, Ariel. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that the studio sometimes is just a little drab? There's not. Sometimes? There's just no bright lights. Yeah. Nothing that really catches your eye. Except for my medallion, yeah. <laughs> and my tyrant statue. Well, what if I told you you could change that with this merch item that I have brought today? I say buy it. <laughs> so this comes to us from Fanny's Neon on Etsy. My butt's neon? Fanny, it's, it's Fanny C. Neon. I, I can't really pronounce the name. <laughs> it's cool. The link will be in the show notes. Uh... <laughs> Right now, you can get a neon Resident Evil 4 sign with custom colors. And it ranges in different size. You can get from 24 inches, which starts you at $157.31, all the way up to 50 inches, which is $476.18. And if you're sitting here going, okay, I hate these weird numbers again, Ariel, that is because they are currently running a 20% off on this store. So that's 20% off is what you're paying. Yeah, well. (laughs) So you get a different range of colors. You can either get it red, white, blue, purple, light blue, yellow, or warm yellow, AKA orange. red all the way (laughs) so they have different signs if you really want to go all out in your room you can get anything from Ninja Turtles, Sonic the Hedgehog God of War uh Diablo 4 and 
they also have Splatoon signs. They have all kinds of signs. The list goes on, and you can actually order your own custom sign as well. So the link for this store will be in the show notes. I like God of War. And that surprised me. I love Greek mythology, so God of War is awesome. It just surprised me because it was a hack and slash game for you. I don't mind so much hack and slash. Like, eh, I'm not a huge fan. But when you like throw Greek mythology into a hack and slash, like I'm all in for it. I'm good. I like it. (laughs) Well, with all that being said, Ariel, we're at the end of our mid break. Oh, is this where I rattle off our sponsors? It is. All right. Well, I guess we'll just roll on over to Fan Roll Dice and use our promo code AlmightyC10, which is A-L-L-Mighty, the letter C, and 10, and save yourself 10% off uh, your entire purchase. They have dice, dice trays, dice bags, dice towers, all things dice. And they have different sets of dice to choose from, like gemstone, which are extremely gorgeous dice, and wooden and resin and uh, metal, rubber. They got big dice. They got tiny dice. All different things of dice. So yeah, go check them out. Their prices are great anyways. Plus, you get to save 10% off using our promo code. Then, when you're done spending all your money there, you can find some more money and switch your way on over to Nixie Gaming and use our promo code LOZLORE and save yourself 10% off your purchase of Switch accessories. And they have, like, controllers and docking stations and stuff like that. And their newest thing is the GameCube controllers for the Switch, which are pretty cool. You want to go way back in the day and used to play your GameCube. I do. I always do. So, uh, yeah. You can save 10% off your purchase by using our promo code for that as well. And that's it. It's all for now. So, I did want to add something. For Fan Roll, they currently have a new dice out, which I have purchased. It's pretty freaking awesome it is a spinner like we're talking like a tabletop spinner as a d20 it's it's sweet it's awesome and honestly it was wasn't badly priced it's metal it's nicely crafted it was only like 15 dollars but i also while at gen con this time around got to talk to neil who's in charge out there he's the big boss the ceo And he said that they have no intentions of stopping you from being able to use multiple promo codes at checkout. And they are always consistently going to be running deals, he said. So that's even more money saved for you by using FanRoll. Use all the promo codes. (laughs) I think it's maxed out at like two or three, but I mean, still, though. Yeah, because their prices are good anyways. Mm-hmm. Like, when you look at the gemstone dice, like, yeah, they are kind of pricey in between, like, 60 to, I think, like, 80 or or $100. But keep in mind, those are gemstone dice. And no, it's not like you're rolling an actual ruby. I get that. But still. 
Mm -hmm. They have to cut those and, you know, like it's still, it's still a good price for what you're getting is essentially what I'm saying. Well, and you got to think some of those are actually the gemstones that you'll be rolling. Oh yeah. Like the, what they have like Jasper and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And yeah, those are, yeah. And to top it off, I've actually priced out gemstone dice with other companies and competitors and they are still most of the time at least half the price of the competitors it's ridiculous what some people will charge for these dice yeah and like their normal like their resin sets mm-hmm. are just the same price as everywhere else oh yeah if not cheaper sometimes they have good sales they have really good sales and then sometimes when you spend a lot of money like I did on my obsidian dice, they throw in dice for free mm-hmm. because I made a purchase of like I got my obsidian dice and a set of the mis- the misfit. And then they threw in a free set of dice for me. That was cool. Oh, yeah. Well, with that all out of the way, let's go to the end of the episode. Well, here we are at the end of the episode. I was going to interrupt you, but you didn't give me a chance. Oh, baby. I need my blanket. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, here's your chance to interrupt me all you want because it's discussion time. (laughs) The one time I don't want to interrupt you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Who's up first? Who's got something? Well, okay. For starters, one change I guess it's not really a change it's how they approached their version of this what I didn't like is how they made Raccoon City they made it a dying desolate city it was just actively dying and I didn't understand that and I didn't like it because Umbrella is this you know horrible but very rich corporation in the actual Resident Evil franchise like even though it was for their own gain they did make sure at least parts of the city were nice and upkept and you know not dying mm-hmm. and yeah it was for their own oh, hey, we'll give you money to upgrade your building if you kind of look the other way with what we're doing. Like, I get that part. I'm just saying, I didn't like how they just made Raccoon City a dying city in this movie. Yeah. I don't feel like it it held the same kind of weight as it did before. Honestly, like with the games, zombie outbreak. Oh, my God, there's zombies everywhere. Like, this is a small podunk dying town. Sure, there's going to be a lot of zombies, but it's not going to be nearly enough to take down, you know, the military. They'd be all be concentrated <laughs> in one place, more than likely. Mm-hmm. Or so spread thin, you'd just be picking them off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just... Eh, I didn't like that part. I mean, there was a lot I didn't care for. Like, if I want to go into this objectively, taking Resident Evil are known universe and going in with a mindset of this is their own little recreation of it 
Yeah. Even then, honestly, I don't think it, I would still like the movie. Really? Yeah. It seemed a little... They didn't explain things as well as I think they should have. And... Kind of back and forth with... We're going to talk about this and we're going to go into this. And now, like, we're on this side and we're... It just seemed almost a little bit everywhere. Not really, but almost a little bit everywhere. Not as bad as the final chapter was in the Paul Anderson movies (laughs) everywhere. But it just... To me, it wasn't very entertaining, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Taking the whole I hate it because it didn't stick to Resident Evil universe, taking that out of it, I still didn't think I would enjoy the movie. Okay. What are your thoughts on that, Daniel? I think they should have, like, wrote it a little different. Like, we discussed this in a Patreon episode in the past, but I think they should have done split the how they did the mansion and the city together they should have at least split them into two separate movies and focused more on one than the other Mm -hmm. because you didn't get a lot of the mansion you just got the whole them going in there and then wesker getting to basically nest to go find birkin basically and you didn't get much other than that like you didn't get the big lab or anything like that and then you also didn't get the real expansive part of the mansion you really you only got so many rooms that they were the rooms that the characters were in that was it and then if they didn't do any puzzles like that I mean even even the Paul Anderson movie had something similar but not you know even if he didn't have puzzles like they had to get out of trapped rooms and stuff like that it was more although I will say one thing I did like about the movie going on the whole puzzles thing they actually introduced a puzzle with the piano and the Moonlight Sonata. Mm-hmm. I actually enjoyed that because you don't see that in the movie adaptations. You don't see the introduction of puzzles. But I think he was able to cheat with that puzzle. <laughs> he had the cheat code. He did have the cheat code. In the form of the Palm Pilot. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, but if you think about it in real life, (laughs) in real life, you're horrified about everything that's going on. Doubt you're going to get a majority of the puzzles. (laughs) But I think that was a big thing from the games back in the day was the puzzles, something for you to solve. Oh, absolutely. It was a huge thing. But I'm just saying, like, in real life, if you need to have a movie adaptation of these characters that were thrown into this and they're scared, not maybe scared shitless, but like, oh, hey, there's fucking zombies. And, you know, shit like that. It's not really like, oh, okay, maybe if I play this exact song on this piano. Like, you know, it just... But but back to what I was saying, I did like seeing that. And it wasn't necessarily a puzzle, but they had brought in the keys from RE2. 
into the movie too, which I kind of like that too. It wasn't exactly a puzzle, but a nod back to the yeah second one. So I did enjoy that. But yeah, I think they should have split it. I mean, as a movie, I like most movies. I didn't like a lot of things that they did, but as a movie, I still liked it via my time. I didn't feel like it was exact waste, but as a Resident Evil adaptation, I wasn't too thrilled with it. But I mean, like we talked about, as a potential horror movie, it was all right. Mm -hmm. But I, as Resident Evil, no. So I didn't have much issue if I just went in the movie just to watch the movie. It got its job done. You got from point A to point B. The plot was in there. There was more plot armor than it needed to be for certain <laughs> things. I think putting aside the fact that I was upset when we walked in expecting a Resident Evil movie and what I got was another reimagining. I'm going to put that to the side. I enjoyed the movie enough like Daniel said to not feel like it was a waste of time I enjoyed the little puzzles and the nods to the games and I enjoyed these small things but I have to agree with Ariel too it did seem very plausible throughout the movie number one because it's not a city which means there's not going to be many people which also takes away from more of the Resident Evil aspects to me, even in a reimagining, because our biggest enemy in Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3 was the zombies. And honestly, if you think about it, there wasn't a whole lot of zombies in this movie. I think more of them were in the mansion than they were in the, mm -hmm. the city. You had a few here and there, and you had the ones that were banging against the gate, but there wasn't a whole lot of zombies to deal with in this movie, which was a huge letdown. Yeah. I mean, if you look at our BOW lists for 90% of these games, the enemy that we run into majority of the time is a zombie or some variation of the basic zombie. That kind of makes Resident Evil Resident Evil, really, mm -hmm. especially in the older games. Oh, yeah in the older games. It's definitely a zombie is what makes Resident Evil Resident Evil. And like we had one liquor. Mm-hmm. Which okay, I'm kinda tired of seeing liquors anyways. Liquors are awesome, but they're kinda in everything. We had one liquor. And that was it. Yeah. We had what, a couple servers. No, it was one Cerberus. Was there? I don't... I think it was one, but it's never stated. Because I would assume the dog would have died in the, like, truck explosion. Mm. and Or would have been on fire. But it's never really specified. And there's the potential to be multiple ones. I assumed in the town there would be multiple, but then they yeah. would all look like like a Doberman pension. Everybody's got Dobermans in this yeah. town. Well, and <laughs> the scene with... Irons getting attacked and Claire, Claire saving them. Yeah, I mean, but that was that was it. 
It's, you didn't even get much BOWs. There was, bar- like you said, barely any zombies. Mm-hmm. We got one liquor that Lisa Trevor was a badass <laughs> and killed with her bare fucking hands. That was a badass scene. And yeah, couple, couple Cerberus, really. And then Birkin. Like, that was basically, there wasn't a whole bunch. They focused more on the characters. So I have something else to bring to the table here. It's a little different than what we usually bring. But there were some continuity issues with this movie that I want to bring up to you guys to also emphasize the point of I feel like halfway through filming, they just stopped caring. So the first one is when the helicopter crashes into the house. Obviously, there's this giant explosion and there's fire everywhere. But then when it goes to the next scene, all the wood and the books surrounding the helicopter are completely untouched. There's no issues with them. Yeah, because they were protected by plot armor. (laughs) Plot armor of shooting that scene in two different days. (laughs) So the next one is the trucker. He gets bit in the left hand. And then when you see him in the next cut, he's holding his right hand. Oh, I didn't notice that one. Mm -hmm. Huh. Again, another continuity issue that it's kind of like, okay, well, you wrote into the script left hand. How are you not getting this right? And the, the whole thing with the helicopter, I get you filmed a different day, but come on, you got debris next to the helicopter. It's going to be on fire. Fire resistant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So another continuity issue with this movie was the movie is supposed to be taking place in September and the Midwest. Okay. Several times you could actually see the actor's breath in this movie. 90% of the time we live in the Midwest. You can't see your breath in September. <laughs> no, it's still hot. <laughs> Very much so. So again, another continuity issue where a little bit of research or asking anyone who was on the set, you ever been to the Midwest in September? Yeah, it's not cold. Okay, cool. Could have saved us a little bacon here. Yeah, because it's even still like a little warm in the beginning of October. It's not really until like towards the end of October mm-hmm. where it starts just getting a little cooler. Yeah. So a couple more here. The sound effect that they actually use for when the motorcycle skids is a car. But that's not the issue. The issue is, is that the pavement is wet. Cars don't make sounds when skidding when the pavement's wet. And no wheel makes sounds when the pavement's wet. Because there's already general lubrication. Hmm. And... This one I can I can kind of let go. Claire, when she's picking the lock to Chris's house, actually puts the knife above the lock. She doesn't put it to the lock or even close to the lock. She just sticks the knife in above the lock and somehow magically the door unlocks. I can kind of let that one go, though, because it's Hollywood and it's... It's whatever. She intimidated the lock by threatening its life. <laughs> she stabbed the, the door in it. 
you don't open up, you're next. <laughs> so there's more, but one that I really stuck out to me here is the last one I have, which is. So I mentioned it earlier when you were talking about it, but when we're hanging out in our helicopter and he's playing Snake, he's playing it on a Nokia 5125 or 5125. The funny thing is, those didn't come out until December of 1998. And this was supposed to be taking place in September. Those weren't released to anyone until December. See, what had happened was... <laughs> the props guy was told the wrong thing. <laughs> what I was thinking was like, Umbrella got early access to cell phones. Okay. <laughs> Probably on the back of it says like, made by Umbrella. <laughs> Uh, it's those kind of things drive me a little nuts nowadays, especially with us doing these podcasts. We have to do extensive amounts of research to make sure we're getting you guys, the listeners, accurate information. We do make mistakes. Don't get me wrong. And we willingly will admit it and fix it in the next episode if we can. But these are simple things that it took a really quick Google search to look up and you could have and like, oh, that phone's not out yet. We got to find a different one. They're probably just like, whatever. Nobody's going to figure it out. Knowing damn well, everybody does that shit. <laughs> People look for small details. Mm -hmm. What? No. 100%. I mean, these continuity issues aren't enough to make me not enjoy the movie. It was just things that showed me that behind the scenes even, I don't think there was 100% dedication to this movie. Don't lie to me. You went in there and as soon as you saw him playing oh, yeah. Snake on there, you were I like, like, I am done bullshit. with this movie. That's bullshit. I, I mean, you. if I look at the continuity issues for the live action Paul Anderson movies, there are some. There's always going to be continuity issues in movies. Because Daniel said it best. Yeah, one day you shoot half the scene and the next day you shoot the next. It's hard to keep track. I get it. And there's, as fans, we have to be forgiving of those things. Well, you brought it up in, was it final chapter? Mm -hmm. When the car being good and then being bad yeah, and then, and then good being again. good. Yeah. Sometimes it has a roof, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, the roof's back on. Oh, wait, no, it's gone. Yeah, it's gone. You, you, we have to be forgiving of some of these things. But. The thing is with that movie, there with those that movie series, there wasn't a whole lot of Nokia's like a Nokia situation, like using devices and stuff that didn't exist until later on. You know, it's small things, small things that showed me they were just trying to hook certain things or, you know, go after your nostalgia because I mean, come on. How many of us here had a Nokia? Not me. Oh, well, I did. That's the only one I couldn't break. Uh, <laughs> I had one. But um, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. If you're going to continue on with this, then I'm going on something else. Mm. So. But yeah, that's that was kind of my thing. It's not enough to tear down the movie and say it's awful because of these small continuity issues. It's just something I noticed that made me feel like somebody kind of missed some steps on their job on set. Yup. So another thing I kind of want to bring up that I liked 
about the movie. I loved all of the references to Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. There was a shit ton of references. And I loved it. Honestly. The whole zombie head turn, the whole, like like I said earlier, with the keys and the puzzle, the Jill sandwich. This is Jill sandwich now. <laughs> like, there was just, there was so many of those subtle little, not and not so subtle, little nods to Resident Evil that I absolutely loved. I love that they actually put in little nods to Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. I will have to agree there. There was a lot of nods, a lot of nods to the series, and I was there for it. That was like one of the things that I actually really enjoyed about the movie. Is there something you enjoyed, Daniel? Don't think too hard. Probably going to be too hard for me to enjoy, (laughs) but uh, no, overall, I thought it was I thought it was an all right movie overall. I mean, I would do things differently, but I don't know what the director had to deal with as far as Mm. between Capcom and Hollywood, because, you know, producers always want to change things. Capcom's got certain limitations. So I don't want to say I could write a better movie. I just would do things differently. Yeah. So, I mean, I overall thought it was all right. I think it's worth a watch. I honestly do. I I mean, yeah, a bunch of fans to include ourselves shit on it all the time, but I would own it. I would watch it again. It's Resident Evil. It's it wasn't awful. It did pique my interest and it did make me laugh and make me ooh, ooh, look at that. Look at that. It did make me excited. It's just I feel like you guys have been saying I wish you would have taken a little bit more time and done it just a bit better. I didn't I, I don't need you to be perfectly exact in all of this. I just need you to be more realistic. I need you to be, you know, <laughs> exact. <laughs> I would love to see an actual film about the games. To be honest, I really would. I don't want any more. <laughs> we got sequels coming, buddy. Yay. I just... I was there with you until this movie, and I just... Now I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of getting my hopes up to be shot down. I don't care. I don't want any more. Well, that's why I said, like, one that's exactly like games because I'm all for it if, the, if there's one another one comes out and it's exactly as, as exact as you could possibly get it I understand it's not going to be a play by play movie but an exact rendition of Resident Evil games I'm all for it I think the only way it would get me excited is if they actually did zero Oh, yeah. I mean, you'd start with Zero and go up from there. You could have so many movies. I just think Zero with the train and Billy and, you know, that whole story and everything going on. I think that one would be the most. I think that one would be the one to be able to redeem the live action series. Oh, Daniel's all for it. Yep. 
I think the hard thing about that is, though, they would have to stay really to the games. And it, I think Hollywood's worried about that the game has been done. Fans are going to know what to expect, which you can make some changes. But hmm. I think I think Hollywood doesn't want... They, they're just going to assume that since you're, you're just like the remix, you're going to have a lot of... Everything's the same. The fans know what to expect. And it's not going to sell. That's what I think why we haven't got something that's true to form... Well, here's an idea. If you're a producer and you're listening to this, why don't you reach out to Capcom and go, hey, I know you guys are always trying to sneak things into new remakes and stuff. How about we do a live action movie where we actually sneak some stuff you guys wanted to add back in the day so it can be canon? It's changed. The fans won't know what to expect. And it'll be a shocker when it happens. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, they do it all the time. But anyway, so is there anything else you guys want to talk about? No, I could go on for hours dissing. So that's so why I tried to stick with things that I actually enjoyed. So, nah, I got nothing else to say. Okay. Daniel? I think I'm good. I mean, our Patreon episode was like... It's very one-sided. Yeah, it was very one-sided, but it was right after the movie. Yes. So you have to see it more than once. As a Resident Evil fan, I would I would say you need to watch the movie more than once, not at the same time, or, you know, not one right after the other. Give it some time, mm-hmm. and then watch it again after you've forgotten some things from it, and then go back in just just to watch the movie and see if you you may new, see something new or you may come to like other things in it better. So, so what you're saying is watch it after you get over your shell shock of being completely disappointed that it is not what you expected it was going to be yes okay so there you go (laughs) it is worth a watch i would say i agree with daniel at least twice watch it once give it some time watch it a second time then you can really appreciate it it is a decent film but that being said it's time for the ratings so ariel what are you rating this I'm going to rate this two out of five Leons, and that's being generous. Ooh. I I did not enjoy this movie. I'm going to give it two stars because I did enjoy the references to the to Resident Evil. I did enjoy like the little puzzle that they threw in there. I just did not enjoy this movie at all. I did not like it, and I will never watch it again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't want to watch it again the second time, but I did it for this episode. So <laughs> I just was not a fan. I really want to give it a zero or one star, but I'll give Oof. it a two. I did not enjoy. Do not recommend. Oof. Ow. All right, Daniel. I think I'm the neutral party on this one. So I'm probably going to give it a three out of five. Because, like I said, I like a lot of movies. There was Resident Evil references in it. I would have done things differently myself. Overall, they they got what they needed done in the movie. Like, mm-hmm. it was Destruction of Raccoon City, which has generally been the first movies that come out. Usually that's what it is for Resident Evil. So I think they covered that basis as far as that goes, I don't want to say that the acting was bad. I think that some of the actors were just given bad parts. Yeah, 100%. So I don't want to say that they did anything bad. They came in, did what they were told to do. Mm-hmm. I just think Hollywood could have done better. 
Uh, 100% where the blame needs to be. Yeah, because I don't necessarily blame the director. He's still stuck with whoever's giving him the money. Mm-hmm. But I would, I do want to see like some of these drafts of the film. See if there was what the original drafts kind of looked like. See if there was something like it was way better. And then Hollywood went, eh, no. So overall, I'm going to give it a three out of five. I would recommend, like Aaron said earlier, at least watching it twice. See if it changes your mind. Like give it some time and then watch again. You can tell Ariel does not like it. Yeah. (laughs) But, But as a fan, I would say watch it at least twice to see if your opinion changes over time. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you two different ratings. Uh... I feel like I have to here. So I have to start off first with if you are a hardcore Resident Evil fan and you are walking into this expecting a Resident Evil movie, you're not going to get it. Not 100%. Maybe like 25% of this. I'm going to give it a one star on that rating because you missed the mark pretty hard. You didn't give me a lot of my enemies. You didn't give me a lot of the nods that you could have given me, you missed the mark. Now, on the flip side, as a movie, as just a movie, I'm going to give it a 3.9. I can't give it that last little bit. But it is an enjoyable watch. As a movie, I enjoyed it. It was fine. It was It was not like, you know, the best movie of the year by any means, but it wasn't terrible so that's kind of where I sit as a Resident Evil movie one don't get your hopes up as a decent movie to watch yeah I'd say 3.9 so yeah there we go across the board varying different thoughts and different ratings on this one well on that note thank you all for listening tune in next week bye bye there Thanks for joining us tonight on the Resident Evil Lurecast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, tell a friend. Leave a comment and a review. If you want to keep chatting with us about all things Resident Evil, you can find us on the Robots Radio Discord. You can also chat with us at RE Lurecast on Twitter. Till next time, stay safe out there. And remember, we might have something that might interest you, stranger.